The author Donna Markova is most famously known for being the editor to the book that was called Random Acts of Kindness. Do you all remember that book? came out years and years ago. Well, this is a story about Donna Markova on the night that her verbally and physically abusive father died. She could not sleep well. And she tells that she woke up around three in the morning and she was drawn to pen and paper. And as she reflected on this life that her father lived, She wrote a famous poem you might have heard called, I Will Not Die an Unlived Life. She she wrote it to grieve the loss of a man who had told her, my life is insignificant. I encourage you to look it up as it is truly amazing, but that's not the point of the story today. Years later, Donna was on this retreat, a spiritual retreat, in a random little village in France. And she was sharing with one of her close friends the poem that she had written about her father. And someone in the room overheard her sharing the poem and came up to her and said, oh, that was such a lovely poem. Would you mind if I put some artwork to it and sent it in a card to a friend? Of course, she thought, of course, considering she thought it was like one of those that you or I would do, and you you make a homemade card and you add a, a cute little poem to it. Months later, Donna receives a copy of the so-called card to a friend that is now being mass-produced by a company in the States with her poem on the front of it. Journals are being made and sold with her poem on the front of it. I want to show you what she said. She said, when I first found out, I felt as if I had been mumbling a very private thought only to discover a microphone had secretly been placed inside my blouse. And my words were being broadcast to 10,000 people in an amphitheater. What would you do in that moment? Not just her work was being used for profit, but her work that had come from such a place of deep pain and vulnerability, and now it's being used by someone else for profit. What would you do? Because I know that the world would tell me what I should do. I should pursue legal action. I should get what's mine. And the wrongdoers should pay for their wrongdoing. Her story, this is a true story, and it hurts when you hear it. And I know it hurts because I know even in this congregation, this is your story. Someone has taken something that you were due. It was yours, and someone else took it and got all the glory It's very troubling to me, this story, because it highlights for us those two gods that our culture and our world love, that we love, the gods of money and success. And I believe that those gods are the most alluring gods 
that the world has to offer. And yet, when we serve them, the most debilitating. Friends, as followers of Christ, it must not be so with us. In our community of faith, it must not be so. God is calling us to go all in to serve Christ and to do so in a unique way. We are in week two of our All In sermon series where we're going to look at different week, every week at a different aspect of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi where he is trying to encourage this community of faith. If you want to be the best community of faith that you possibly can be, these are the things you need to do. And so last week we talked about how he says when we're competing in this thing called life and faith together, we do it in a different way as followers of Jesus. We do it side by side, not with one person in front, one person in behind, but we do this side by side with one heart and one mind. He didn't mean we all need to have the same opinion or agenda or focus in life. He meant we do this knowing that we are mysteriously united because we have one spirit that unites us, the spirit of love. And so today we're going to turn to the second chapter of Philippians. And Paul is going to challenge us. How do we do this all in community of faith together? It's very differently than worshiping the gods of money and success. It's with a certain attitude. It's really an upside down attitude. Humility. Here's the scripture, y'all. Paul writes, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The church in Philippi is a recent church plant, like all of those early first century churches were. And like any community of faith, they are having to deal with the the different groups and differences within them. There are lots of opponents in first century Israel and Palestine and Greece that do not want the church to succeed. There are lots of opponents in 2021 that do not want Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church to succeed. And one of the easiest ways to make any group crumble is to get them to turn against each other. Jesus said it so clearly, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I'm so grateful that right now we don't have that going on here. But this is a word of caution for us. The attitude that that the individual members of any community of faith hold, it does affect the health of the community. And Paul gives us the key attitude that we need to have, and it's 
humility. You know, he first, most of this scripture, he's telling us what humility is not. And he begins and he says, humility is not selfish ambition. Y'all, the Greek word that he used here, it's, it's a one word, Greek word. Everybody in the audience would have heard of it because it was going on in their court system. It was the word partisanship. Partisanship. What word picture do you get in your mind when you think of partisanship? Y'all, there's, this is, there's nothing new under the sun. Paul was writing to a community that was dealing with people being fragmented and in groups. When I think of partisanship, I think of two people yelling at each other and neither is even able to hear what the other person is saying. The early church was birthed in a society where certain people literally made it their job to be fractious, to bring about disorder and chaos. There were people that thrived on stirring things up. As soon as one issue settled, well, let's stir some other issue up. This is the thing. Scripture never tells anybody to not stand firmly in the truth that you believe in. In fact, Jesus encourages us to speak the truth because the truth will set you free. And yet, I cannot find anywhere in Scripture where we are told to tell our truth from a place of hatred. To tell our truth from a place of selfish ambition, to tell our truth from a place of partisanship. This is, this is so incredibly convicting to me. This is what the scripture says. Humility is not doing anything that could lift someone up while at the same time tear someone else down. Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And none of us ever want to be torn down. He says, humility is not conceited. Any of you grow up with the King James Version? Yeah, some of you? So you, you're going to be familiar with how this is translated by King James. I actually love it. I love it more than conceited. Vain glory. Humility does not mean vain glory. That's puffing oneself up or puffing up someone else like my children or my grandchildren in order to bring glory to yourself. That's what vain glory means. And Paul says this is not humility. I wonder if all of you can find an example of that in the past 48 hours on a football field. Jesus tells us that we are actually supposed to do the amazing things we do so in private so that no one even knows that we did it. No one will be able to recognize. Humility is also not taking on someone else's responsibility as a martyr. This only leads to burnout. And Jesus clearly says, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it for? 
The word that Paul uses for humble is actually two words. It can be translated as a humble mind or a humble heart. When you do anything, when we speak, when we act, when we react, to do so in a way that is not selfish, in a way that is not seeking glory for ourself, but we are humble in mind and heart like Christ. One of the local ministries that Westlake Hills Presbyterian supports, you might not know, it's called Young Lives. And I know there's a few of you that have been busy at work making baby blankets for this ministry. It's a nationwide ministry. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Um, it is a ministry that sets up mentors with mothers or pregnant mothers. The thing that's unique about this is that all of these mothers are teenagers. They're teen moms. And as you can imagine, being a teenager, in addition to having this change in life happening, there is a lot of support that they need. And so Young Lives Mission is to pair these young mamas with a mentor so that they have somebody to encourage them and be along beside them. And this is what they say the purpose of the mentors is, to show that they care by going where kids are, meeting them as they are, and believing in who they can be. And one year, once a year, the goal is to get these mamas to camp. What teenager does not love to go to summer camp? Get these mamas and their children or babies to come as well, and then they are able to have an amazing camp experience while their children are there, but well cared for. And the mentor's job, the mentor's job is not to receive anything upon themselves, but simply to be present. This is being all in with the same mind as Christ Jesus. Every month our congregation is given this amazing opportunity. We hand out these blue bags. Y'all have seen these blue bags. Some of you brought them back today. And that goes to fill the pantry at Manos de Cristo in East Austin. But what might you, you might not know is that this church gives over $20,000 out of our operating budget to Manos de Cristo, for which most of that money does not go to the food pantry. Do you know what their biggest ministry is? Their biggest ministry is providing low-income dental care for the lower-income families of Austin. COVID did not stop this amazing ministry from happening, and they performed 38,000 procedures in 2020. This is being all in with the same mind as Christ Jesus. I interviewed a couple of different folks to prepare for this stewardship season. And after talking with these folks, I knew this is the one we needed to show today when we were talking about humility. I want you to hear their story of being all in and how much they were willing to be vulnerable about sharing their story with us. We've been members of the church for many years and been involved uh, in a variety of different ways over the years. And I just think uh, 
It is a part of our family fabric mm. uh, of faith, and uh, you know, it's it's a two-way street. I think you know we want to uh, we we get a lot out of it uh, as a family, uh, and and hopefully we're giving something back in that way to our church community. We don't have family that lives in Austin, so this is our family and the community of this church. And while we are involved in a lot of things with our family, our kids running different directions and sports and everything else, this is something that connects all of us. And um, what I love is to be part of a larger community of believers and that we are all not exactly alike, we're not cookie cutter, but to know that we are part of that community that um, is living in a larger story. I think it's putting our intentions where our first fruits are. And while there are so many good causes out there, um, really and truly, I mean, at the end of the day, our church, Westlake Hills Presbyterian, is, is the cornerstone of our family. And um, you can chase sports, you can chase uh, Longhorn football <laughs> or basketball, and, um, and that will disappoint and, um, at, at times, but our faith and our, this community is so important. So, 2008. <laughs> so yeah, Bowen just uh, celebrated his 13th birthday, so we now have three teenagers. And that was the year, we did everything that year except for get a divorce. Um, and we lost my mom, we lost a dog, we gave birth to our third child. A joy. <laughs> um, we moved, um, we had three house loans, um, we only intended to have one. Um, new job. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... Lots going on. Yeah. <laughs> it still has to be the first fruits. And, um, and I think the example of my grandparents and my parents that I saw them go through difficult hardships and it was always indicating that even with everything else, all the other turmoil and financial strife, that our commitment to our church is, is the cornerstone of our family and our faith and our belief system. Decades after Donna, <clears throat> excuse me, Donna Markova, the woman who had written the poem in her journal, after she had written this and she had become, an, become accidentally famous by writing it, she got cancer and she had been battling this cancer for a long time and really wanted to live into this poem that she wrote and she did not want to die an unlived life. And so she became passionate about empowering other women across the world to live into their gifts. And so she convened 30 women from 30 different countries for a retreat in Oxford, England. This is like 20 years later. And every night they would ask one of the women to come and share something with the community. And that very first night, she and the leadership were reflecting on how they felt like one woman didn't seem to feel included. She had been a mystery to them because she came in and she sat in a chair, very statuesque. And when it was her turn to introduce herself, all she said was her name 
in her country. And she said, my name is Nomathemba from South Africa. That's all she said. The next night, it was Donna's chance to share. And so she thought, well, I don't really have anything specific. I'll just pull out my journal and share the poem. So she stood in front of the group of 30 women and she shared the poem and she went to sit back down expecting the next person to begin to share their gift with the group. And suddenly, Nomathemba speaks and she says, I did not know you were here. I cannot believe I was so unaware and so out of touch with the present moment that in two days I did not realize you were here. Markova's like, who, who's she talking to? I've never met this woman before. And Nomathemba says, you do not know me, and I have never seen you, but I know you. She goes into the hem of her robe, and she pulls out a greeting card. And she says, a friend from the States sent me this years ago. I have been speaking in my country from border to border, north to south. I have been encouraging women. At the end of each talk, I read your poem. Thousands and thousands of women have heard it. Be of the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Amen.